So, final questions. What about economics? And what about how you start teaching young kids their maths? Well, here's our final Prime Minister's winner, a runner-up in the primary teaching quest. Gabriel Oslington trains both teachers in class and the kids in ways that stick, so that one day they may apply maths to all the areas we've canvassed so far today. Well, they're not textbook-driven. My lessons tend to be very interactive. A lesson series I've just completed with Grade 2, which are children who are around 7 and 8 years old, are where we spend about 8 lessons working with an apple. The students started by going to the shops and purchasing their own apple with a coin, and then we spent quite a lot of time working with the money side of the mathematics, how much change we have, what the coins look like, what combinations we have, how much change I got from my $100. And then we started to work with the mathematical properties of the apples. So we looked at mass, we looked at cost per gram, we looked at surface area by covering the apple with Play-Doh and putting it down on grid paper. We looked at buoyancy. We also looked at displacement by putting the apple in coffee plungers. We then cut the apples open and counted the number of seeds and then we grew the seeds. So there's a fair bit of mathematics at, at various levels and very appropriate and interactive for students who are still quite small. And is it the kind of thing that the normal teacher can do on a normal day? Yes, I think it is. But one of the things about primary schools is that we don't have a lot of confidence in teachers' mathematical capacity. In that unit, you could see that some of the teachers were confusing some of the pretty simple concepts, for example, mass versus volume. Uh, when you were looking at displacement. And I think a lot of our primary school teachers do feel much safer staying with a very confined textbook-driven curriculum and exposure to some other ways of doing things and a more interactive maths experience for the students is, is really helpful. Isn't there a problem, however, that various pupils who get it then follow you and are involved, whereas the ones on the periphery just look rather dazed and you can't tell whether it's really going in? A good teacher can differentiate. A good teacher can look at the eyes of the student and see where they are at. If the material itself is generally interesting and interactive, you have a much smaller tail. Possibly you've got a problem at the other end where your students who need the extension are finding the material a little bit too easy for them. I'm not sure it's very difficult getting the, the weaker students on board. I, For example, if we're teaching concepts like area and perimeter, use small, relatively cheap little robots, and we use those for quite a, a few mathematical concepts, such as distance, closed spaces, external spaces, angles, different types of polygons. And it's very rare to get a, a student who's not interested in that kind of thing. One of the things is understanding where students are at. I've sat with teachers saying, I can't teach them the number line, and then we sit with the students and we provide them with strips of paper and encourage the students to actually divide those strips of paper into something that resembles a number line. And some of those students, particularly weaker students, aren't able to get that concept of equal spaces. So that's the first concept to be working with them. You want students to understand a number line, they need to be able to divide this space up into equal spaces and have that concept if you're trying to... For anyone who doesn't know, the listeners, what is a number line? Well, it's, I, it, I guess it's an imaginary construct of, of numbers on an imaginary line that go in positive and negative direction. But it, it's a pretty common device for teaching skip counting and also for teaching addition and subtraction with young students. Mm. Um, so we're talking about arithmetic in general. Do you find that sometimes a, a seven-year-old wants to know about various other rather complicated things? 
Yeah, all of the state organisations, the science and mathematics associations in Australia offer special competitions. And these competitions are where students work either in small groups or as individual projects and do a deep dive into a science or a maths project of interest. I've had a fabulous time with, and sometimes not terribly high ability students, but very interested students looking at some mathematical properties. For example, we had a small group of grade three students, so they're around eight and nine years old, and they planned a Fred Hollows lemonade stall. In this process, they borrowed money from their parents at interest, which I encourage the parents to charge them interest to buy their resources, to plan a stall, to hire a little market space and see what kind of profit they could make. Now these students really, really enjoyed the process and they learned so much about inputs and output costs, the complications, we even ran into council regulations and health standards, so it was much more than simply mathematics. Yeah, and I suppose it was quite useful to know about who Fred Hollows was. I knew him quite yes. well actually, and if you're telling the children you can actually do an operation like he did way back for about 10 bucks a time and blind people can suddenly see again and doing it moving the money around connects things in a miraculous way. I think that's right and it was these students choice to really drive and that was their purpose so their purpose was to raise money and so we made it a mathematical experience and you know it isn't just that you can get all the ingredients off your parents pantry and sell it and make a profit and that represents a profit as if we need to look at the inputs as well. Final question yeah. having congratulated <laughs> you on being <laughs> highly commended in the Prime Minister's Prize but how were you turned on to maths in the beginning? I wasn't a great maths student at school. I didn't particularly like it. I did enjoy science and ended up studying, my first degree was in agricultural science. But it was later when I became, did teacher training, sort of more of a 30s career change, where I had a really, really good mathematics lecturer who opened up the idea of the practical, the back route, the way of thinking about mathematics as a series of patterns and a series of patterns and relationships rather than a series of computations. And that clicked something in my brain. When I started my current job as gifted and talented teacher, I realised that I didn't quite know enough about teaching students mathematics. So I went back to Macquarie University and at the same time did a second PhD in maths education. And I feel like I'm getting better at it all the time. You're on the way. <laughs> getting better all the time, Robin. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dr Gabriel Oslington, runner-up in the PM's Prizes for Science Teaching, and she did her PhD at Macquarie University. So maths for everything in this week's science show, and we need to catch up as a nation to what we really need for STEM and STEAM, that's STEM with Arts. Next week in the science show I shall talk to Brian Cox, not about succession, but Professor Cox's forthcoming concert tour of Australia with cosmic music from Sibelius to Strauss. You see, you can make all sorts of links in science, as David Fisher does, who produces The Science Show with Anne-Marie de Betancourt. I'm Robin Williams.